0: Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about uh, a contemporary poet, someone who is still alive. Um, This is something I haven't done a lot of. Um, Most of the people I've discussed are people who are already deceased, some of them deceased for centuries or more. Um, But this is actually a person who is still alive. Uh, And I want to kind of go into this because I want to show that uh, literature and poetry are not what a lot of people pass them off to be. Uh, Poetry in particular has gotten a bad rap. I know a lot of people who, even literature majors, who shied away from poetry because they had gotten the impression that poetry was either just about love or depression or flowers or, you know, things like that. And this really does a disservice to poetry, both to old poetry and to a lot of the contemporary poets because there's so much more to it than that Um, when people ask me what is poetry about i tell them everything that you can imagine it's about nature yes it's about love yes it's about sadness and loss but it's also political it's also social it's also religious it's also you know criticizing all of these things it doesn't just have one theme Um, And in fact, there's even poetry that's silly and nonsense and, and, you know, there for laughter. So when you you look at, you know, what is poetry about? And I hear people say, well, I don't like poetry. I really think that it's because they were given stuff that was very dull, very dry, and nothing that could apply to their life. And one of the things I want to do with the poet I'm talking about today, uh, Luis J. Rodriguez, is to kind of show you how this isn't just something that, you know, isn't uh, relevant to everyday life. And I also want to kind of dispel the myth that a lot of people have that poetry is something for the elites. It's, It's something that only, you know, people who sit in rooms full of books can understand and appreciate and it's written for them and by them because this is definitely not the case yes there is poetry that is very you know refined and elite and really made for an audience of the upper classes but most of that poetry was written in a time when the upper classes were the only people who could read uh, and write and so obviously you're going to write things that are catering to the people who can read what you have to say but poetry really existed i've i've talked about this before in pre-writing times. Uh, poetry was the main way that societies were able to pass along religion, um, family lines, culture, uh, you know, history. All of these things were passed along through poetry, You know, ethics, um, you know, etiquette, how you're supposed to behave. You know, I've talked about the fact that Beowulf is basically a poem about how men are supposed to behave, how you're supposed to behave if you're a warrior, how you're supposed to behave if you're a host, how you're supposed to behave if you're a guest. So a lot of these things are in there, but a lot of people have dismissed poetry as just being about, you know, as I said, love and flowers and depression and things like that, and it really does cover a lot more than that. And the two poems I want to talk about today um, by Rodriguez uh, both kind of show different uh things that poetry does actually get into. The first one I want to talk about is a poem he wrote called Watts Bleeds. Um, Now, Rodriguez actually grew up in Watts. He grew up, he was in gangs, but at the same time that he was in gangs, he was also a community activist, so he kind of had a double life going. Um, You know, a lot of people want to dismiss somebody because they were in a gang and that that's all of their identity. And I think Rodriguez really proves that things like that might be part of your identity, but not all of it. And in contemporary society, we have a a tendency to, once we throw somebody into a category, we say, oh, you're this. Um, Society wants to sweep them under the rug and forget about them. And Rodriguez is one of those people who really shows that, one, not only is this not fair, but Two, you're losing out on a lot if you do something like this. So he did start out as someone who was in a gang, but he was also a community organizer, and he also ran under the Green Party for governor of California when he got older. So he's had a very active life, and he's spent a lot of his life, you know, in, you know, very bad places, but also trying to make those very bad places better places. And Watts Bleeds kind of paints an unsentimental, Unglorifying look at life in Watts when he was growing up. A lot of the tendency, unfortunately, in uh, popular hip hop, tends to want to glorify the 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 lifestyle of you know the gang member, to glorify the the lifestyle of the drug dealer. I know a lot of people will say no, they're trying to just show what it is, but the problem is that even if that's what their intention is, their audience is mostly young men who don't get that this is something that's saying this is not good. They're getting, oh, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to behave. And Rodriguez gives a very different picture of the way it is and what was going on and in his life as well. And I'm going to just read a few of the stanzas in this because I don't want to get into reading the whole thing and then possibly getting into copyright infringement. Uh you are allowed to discuss copywritten works uh for educational purposes, um, but you're not allowed to read the whole thing and, you know, give away the whole thing. I do recommend that you pick up some of his books. He is a is an excellent poet. Um, but I want to start out with a couple of parts of Watts Bleeds. This is the third stanza. Watts Bleeds, dripping from the carcasses of dreams, where despair is old people sitting on torn patio sofas with empty eyes and children running down alleys with big sticks. Watts Bleeds on vacant lots and burned out buildings, temples desolated by people's rage. Um, this is very far from what you know the, the glorification of it is and really shows you you know, in just a few lines, some of the levels of despair. You know, you have old people that have just like basically been broken and given up on life and, you know, feeling hopeless at times. Um, but this poem isn't completely hopeless. Um, he doesn't, you know, give you this and 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 sort of leave you with no hope. This is not his purpose. and And this is one of the things that you know, I think is the mark of someone who is a great writer or a great thinker, is that they not only show you the despair, but they do it and try to say, but this isn't the way it has to be. And there are other things that might be able to be done. A little further down, here is the Watts of my youth, where teachers threw me from classroom to classroom, not knowing where what I would fit in, where I could fit in. Um, So, you know, this is, again, something that is very much, uh, that very much happens, especially to young men. Um, They don't quite fit into the educational system. They don't quite fit in to the the standard of, um, you know, how society sees that a student should act. And so they're often just bounced around. And a lot of it is, they're just warehoused. They're just, you know, kick through the system and eventually they drop out or they graduate and, you know, they get to graduate if they're there long enough. Um, but they're not, there's no real concern of whether they're actually learning anything. There's no real concern about the education. Uh, one of the criticisms of a lot of the school systems in uh, poor inner city areas is it's the, kind of the idea of, you know, the school to the prison system. You you know, bounce them around from place to place into the school system till they're old enough to be thrown into the prison system. And, you know, this is Rodriguez, who is obviously a brilliant person. He's obviously a great writer. He's also, you know, someone who is invested in the community. And he was one of those people that, you know, they just kind of kicked around and wanted to get rid of. He's somebody that society would say, well, he's never going to amount to anything, so who cares? We'll just keep him out of our hair, keep him out of trouble, and move him along. Uh, Further on in the poem, uh, in the warmth of a summer night, gunshots echo their deadly song through the silence of fear, prelude to a heartbeat. Um, You know, if you've ever been in very poor areas where there's a lot of crime, and i live in an area where there's often on lots of crime and close to lots of crime uh, gunshots are not really that rare to hear at night you will hear gunshots at night um, I've on more than one instance been somewhere where not only have I heard gunshots but I've seen the bodies afterwards because I passed by where you know the, the gun battle just took place I've been walking down the street And one car opened up on another car with a fully automatic weapon and blasted the windows out of the car. So, you know, this for me is something that really paints a picture of life that a lot of people don't know. And a lot of people don't want to know. Um, And they they don't understand what kind of psychological impact that has. And just in this, um, you know, few short four lines... He kind of gives you a sense of when you hear this, it does kind of create um, this this sense of fear. Because you always wonder, the next time these gunshots go off, is it going to be close to me? Even if I'm not someone involved in this, am I going to be caught in the crossfire? <clears throat> okay, the next stanza. Uh, Watts bleeds as I bleed, getting laid off from work, standing by my baby's crib touching his soft cheek and fingering his small hands as dreams shatter again, dreams of fathers for little men. So, you know, again, this is one of those things where even when somebody kind of gets out of that and gets a job, that's no guarantee that you're going to be able to make it. You know, people work really hard and they want to make a better life for the next generation and they hope their children never have to... Um, go through what they go through, and then economic circumstances, factory closing, downsizing, jobs being shipped overseas, and now all of that hard work seems to just, you know, smash those dreams to pieces. And so this is, you know, when people say, well, you know, if, if, if the people that live there would just get jobs, they'd be okay and everything would be fine. You know, this is kind of an indication that, no, sometimes you can do what you're supposed to do, and you can get a job, and you can work hard, and things will still roll against you. Um, and, you know, this this isn't, again, as I said, this isn't a glorification of gang life. This isn't anything like that. It's It's giving you the realities of it, the realities of gang life, the realities in poor areas where you know, not everybody there is a criminal, and most of the people, in fact, aren't criminals, and they're just trying to survive, and they're just trying to get by, but circumstances seem to be always stacked against them. Uh, last few stanzas. Watch bleeds and the city hemorrhages, unable to stop the flow from this swollen and festering sore. Oh, bloom, you trampled flower, come alive as once you tried to do from the ashes. What's bleeding and angry, you will be free. So he doesn't end this in despair. He doesn't end this saying, it's completely hopeless and there's nothing we can ever do. He he ends this on the note of, we're going to keep trying. Things will eventually get there. We're going to not give up. We're not going to just let ourselves fall into complete despair. And again, if you've ever lived in areas where, you know, there are large numbers of poor people, you will never meet harder working people than the poor. You know, people like to throw off on the poor and say, well, you know, they're poor because they're lazy. I can tell you poor people are absolutely not lazy. Poor people work horrible jobs for long hours and little pay and get no respect from it. Um, They, you know, go to bus stops, whether it's cold, whether it's hot, whether it's snowing, raining, you know, all temperatures, uh, day after day, every day, and go to jobs where they're going to be abused, go to jobs where they're not going to make enough money to barely hold their head above the water, and yet they still go every day. And this, you know, determination, this, this keeping keeping fighting, keeping trying to move forward. Uh, This is kind of what he's trying to capture in the end of this poem. The idea that, you know, don't look down on these people. These people are working hard. These people are plugging away. You know, these aren't people that are just sitting around and lazy and worthless the way a lot of society likes to paint the poor. Uh, especially the upper classes. They like to paint the poor as, well, they're poor because they're lazy or they're poor because they just don't want to do this or do that. And, you know, this, if you've ever, like I said, if you've ever actually been around the the working poor, you know these are not lazy people. These are some of the hardest working people. They will do jobs that wealthy people wouldn't even consider doing. Um, And to me, to call these people lazy and worthless, uh, is to really not understand what lazy and worthless are, and to not understand that, no, they're not lazy, they're not worthless. Uh, These are very hardworking people. Okay, Uh, I want to go into a little bit of the other poem, Uh, Heavy Tells a Story. And Heavy is uh, the name of a character, but it's sort of a, a generic character. Heavy's kind of the character who's been there forever and seen lots of things. He's one of the older guys. And when he tells stories, everybody kind of stops what they're doing and listens. Um, and it, you know, talks about how heavy uh, in the beginning, when heavy tells a story, the millwrights shanty under the electric furnaces, uh, chokes with quiet amid the roar as heavy pauses, adjusts his mountainous weight over a creaky, grease stained metal chair uh, and looks up with the whirling ceiling fan next to fluorescent lights hanging by wires. His fingers laced like so many sausages across the canvas of a blue work shirt on his chest. Rodriguez is very good at painting a vivid picture. Um, You know, he gives a lot of really good details. And this is one of the things that I've always said, poetry has an advantage over prose, because what poetry can say in a few short lines Sometimes a novel or short story might have to take four, five, six pages to express what a poem can express in a few lines. You know, he really starts in with this very vivid picture and kind of sets the scene of where you are. A few stanzas down. Heavy talks about the Mexican melter who once had an affair with the pit boss's wife. The heart of the problem, in fact, from which the story plot revolves was that the melter lived across the street from the pit boss. One night just before the graveyard shift, the melter left his home, kissed his wife's round face, and proceeded to walk to the bus stop. But a bullet ripped through his hard hat and he fell, like an overturned sack of fire bricks onto the pavement. The moral of the story, never have an affair with someone whose old man lives within shooting distance. So, you know, this is, again, painting a picture of of life and how, you know, life can end very quickly. Um, you know, a jealousy or, uh, you know, an indiscretion um, isn't going to end you, wind you up in court. It's going to have you end up dead. Uh, and, And this is giving a lot more of a picture of the hard realities of life. You know, when wealthy people have affairs, they get expensive lawyers and have expensive divorces and divide up their multi-million dollar mansions and estates Um, whereas, you know, often when poorer people, when things happen, um, it often ends in violence. And this isn't, you know, to look down on poor people and say, well, poor people shouldn't be doing this because, you know, you don't even have to look too far to realize this is something that is not contained within one social class. Um... Then you have uh, another story that he tells about uh, in, in the factory. The men won't walk on the roofs above uh, the smelting, uh, above the furnaces. Now the furnaces, these are steel furnaces that have molten steel in them. And they have rickety uh, platform roofs above them. And the foreman is kind of yelling at the workers because they don't want to walk up there because they're afraid to fall through. So the foreman goes up there and he's walking around yelling at them, calling them cowards, and then he falls through the roof. It says, then the foreman moved forward and before anyone could shout, he crashed through the roof, screaming into a reddened pot of molten metal, the oxygen of his body making popping sounds as it entered. The furnace operates, uh, uh, continues to pour ladles of scrap iron and to melt the steel. They skimmed the slag off the top when it was ready and poured the molten mass into ingot molds. This is a, giving you a little bit of a of a picture of how dangerous uh, the work is for, you know, the working class and for the poor. Uh, working in the steel mill is one of the most dangerous places you can work. Um, you know, you have industrial accidents in other types of, in all types of industries, but when you're dealing with metal so hot that it's liquid, uh, an industrial accident is going to become a fatality pretty quickly. And in fact, you're not even going to have a funeral for this guy because he basically gets vaporized into the metal. And the poem talks about how, you know, they kind of skimmed off the top, but there was really nothing left to the guy. And so he ends up being part of metal ingots that are part of bridges and part of you know uh, skyscrapers and different things because his body kind of gets fused into that metal and can't be separated you know there'd be no way you could separate that to even have a funeral and these types of industrial accidents are very common especially when you're working in industries that have become deregulated where safety uh standards have you know been allowed to become lax Um, non-union places have have always had problems with this. This is one of the reasons that a lot of the American companies wanted to move jobs outside of the United States after the unions came to power. Because if you move it outside of the United States, you can move to a country that you don't have to pay the workers hardly anything. You can pay them next to nothing. You don't have to worry about health and safety standards. If somebody has an accident, you give their family a few thousand dollars and that's the end of it. As opposed to in this country where it became if that kind of thing happens, you might be looking at multi-million dollar lawsuits. Uh, You don't have to put in safety features, which cost extra money um, and might slow down productivity. But you have a lot more accidents. You have a lot more people get killed. And so one of the things that I wanted to bring out with these two poems from Rodriguez is that, again, poetry is not just about, you know, things that are inconsequential to daily life. Um, poets write about every kind of topic, um, you know, from things that affect the poor people to things that affect the people at the top end of the wealth spectrum and everywhere in between. Um, to me, the fact that poetry has fallen out of favor, uh, I really blame a large part of that on one the education system and two the way poetry is marketed because it's often marketed um where well, nobody buys poetry anyway, so we're just gonna stick the poetry section in the back uh we're not gonna take a chance as a you know publishing house on a poet um so most poetry has to be self published anymore um and if you know they do happen to take a chance on a poet. It's generally because that person has a big name for one reason or another. Either they've written prose that has sold well, or they're a celebrity, or something like that. Uh, You could be the greatest living poet, and if the publishing houses don't see a way of marketing you, uh, you're not going to get published unless you self-publish. And again, I think that has a lot to do with The education system really kills people's love of poetry because they try to teach poems that people can't relate to. Poetry and literature always work much better when you can relate to them, when you can see things in them that um, remind you of circumstances or people or conditions that you're familiar with. Uh, If it's about things that you can't really relate to, you know, how many of us can relate to what it's like to be, uh, a prince or a princess in the 1200s? Uh, not really, you know, not unless you are into that type of literature, into studying that historical time period. But for most people who don't have a background in that, it's going to seem like, okay, this is just nonsense that has nothing to do with life. And I think a lot of times, uh, The teachers of poetry do a little bit of a disservice by uh, giving only things that students aren't going to relate to. Now, I don't want to pick on poetry teachers because there are a lot of wonderful poetry teachers who also really seek out things that the students will be able to relate to. And I think there needs to be a lot more of that because poetry really is something that is much more in line with contemporary life than prose. It's been with us since before writing, um, and it's never really lost its ability to talk about relevant topics. And one of the reasons I think it's more relevant in a lot of ways than prose is how many of you have time to sit down and read a novel all the time, to read a novel every day? Some people do, but most people don't. Uh, How many of you have time five, ten minutes on lunch or a break or you know, waiting for a train or before you go to bed to read a poem or two. You know, that fits into modern life much better. Uh, We have a very fast-paced life, um, but we still need something that pulls us out of that electronic world every once in a while. Uh, Relates to the life we live, but also kind of gives us the ability to step back and look at things a little differently. Okay, I'm going to break off this episode. I hope all of you are doing well, and I hope all of you are staying safe. Have a good night.